Hey, what's up? It's Alex Morgan. And for me, the start of the new year is all about committing to you from day one. Body Armor's got you and here to help you commit to your fitness goals. Buy any Body Armor products at your local store and Body Armor will give you 50% cash back to put towards your fitness journey. Now through March 31st, commit to fit with Body Armor Sports Drink. Visit www.bacommittofit.com for full rules. And shop now at retailers nationwide. Author Tanya Steele is a global food industry leader in every aspect. She has initiated the Healthy Lunchtime Challenge and Annual Kids Steak Dinner at the White House with First Lady Michelle Obama. She is the former editorial director of Clean Plate, Epicurious.com, Gourmet Live, and Gourmet.com. She was an editor at Bon Appetit and Food and Wine and wrote for the New York Times for four years. She's done a lot. I could, yeah. We could just do a whole show on everything she's done. Uh, we think she's <laughs> awesome because she does amazing things in regards to real food, whole food for kids and for people. And this fall, uh, Tanya is taking readers on a culinary tour of history in her new book. It's National Geographic Kids Food Fight, a mouthwatering cool. history of who ate what and why through the ages. And it's trippy, man. <laughs> it's super it's fun. Uh, we're excited to have her join us here on Big Blend Radio today. And I encourage you to go get the book. Um, for, I'm saying for all ages, including adults, uh, go to nat, natgeokids.com or go to kidsfoodfight.com. Amazon, all the online stores and stores, you'll be able to find it there. But uh, I would hook up into the natgeokids.com or kidsfoodfight.com because there's fun games and quizzes and recipes on there too, uh, just like in the book. Tanya, welcome. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be on. Yeah, we are too. Now, okay, so do you remember the very first food fight you had? (laughs) I'm just thinking you had one as a kid, right? Or an adult. You never know. I must have. (laughs) <laughs> I think probably, uh, honestly, my mother was a terrible cook. God love her. And um, I think I probably said, no, I don't want to eat that at seven years old. That was probably my oh. first one. Yeah, that is, I know Nancy used to feed me in the shower, right? Or the bathtub, <laughs> like a little high shirt. Apparently, I, I played the exorcist. Well, she, she, just like, <laughs> she just smashed everything around. I was like, man, I'm not doing this. I put her in the bathtub. It was fun. <laughs> Black, you know, this, well, you, you have some interesting characters in your book that, uh, you know, things go splat <laughs> and all kinds of interesting things they've eaten. What, what, you know, got you inspired to write this and uh, really focus on kids? And because I think you're really getting kids excited about food, whereas oftentimes we look at the plate and go, ew, I don't want to eat the tomato or not understand, you know, the importance of food and even cooking your own food. So uh, from that side, I think this is a very fun way of educating. But what was it for you that got you to say, hey, I'm going to do this? You know, it's always been a passion of mine to get kids into the kitchen to cook and eat healthy and to, you know, kind of be the best that they can be. And that's kind of the whole message of the book. Um, I want kids and adults to to read um, and discover, you know, the history of the world, of of different cultures. Uh, We start from prehistoric man and and go all the way through, you know, Egypt and Rome and Greece and medieval and Renaissance and industrial and American and French revolutions and through the wars and all the way up to 2050. And I really wanted to inspire people and particularly kids to kind of discover what other kids 
and adults had eaten in the past and to really be excited about cooking and eating healthfully and, and just being strong and healthy and the best absolute people they could be. Mm, I love it. And you also looked at, you know, what happens if we colonize Mars? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's that right. Too. You know, uh, I spent three years researching and writing for the book, and the Mars chapter was so interesting. There's so much uh, research going on and so many great new inventions like the 3D printer that's already making food and heat-sensitive clothing and, you know, all of this crazy stuff that's, that's happening. And I feel like just, you know, in a few decades, the world's going to be a different place. Um, but the one thing I wanted to emphasize in every chapter, and in, including that one, is there will never be a replacement for kind of getting together around the family table and, you know, sharing how your day was and making memories and good times and passing down, you know, signature recipes that are part of your heritage. So I hope that even in 2050, we're doing that. I, I do, too. Mm. Um, if we're all going to gather around the printer, you know, that it's still bizarre <laughs> to think about that, you know, it. <laughs> it's, just, it's really odd. But we're we are in this different world now. And I think the more we're like, you know, attached to AI and printers, 3D printers and mm. phones and all of the stuff that we have, I think that sitting around the table together is going to become even more important and more meaningful. I think that's where it exactly. is. And, and, what I like is, you know, that you have these recipes and some of them are very like traditional and uh, recipes for kids to try out. And some of them they can do on their own. Some you have to call an adult um, and that gets them involved. I think kids being able to create and cook, it opens up their brain to new things, new ideas and an appreciation for food. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And every um, recipe that's in the book, there are 30 of them, all of which are inspired by eras and are authentic, but just adapted for kind of modern tastes and, and healthy, made healthier. They're all tested by kids. And so I made sure that every recipe that went in the book was something that kids really did like to cook and to eat. So that's really important because there's no point in, you know, putting together some recipes and getting kids all excited and then give them recipes they're not going to want to make. Mm, yeah, no kidding. I know, right? And that could go the other way real fast. But there's so much exactly. fun things in there. I love the quizzes. Nancy mm -hmm. was sitting here quizzing me, and I was doing okay. I was yeah. doing okay. You know, I just like there's things that I'm like, oh, I never thought of this. You know, but um, there, but there's there's some really fun trivia, and I think we all love that. But one thing you covered that I never even thought of, like what was the first restaurant in? You know, we cover mm. a lot of history on our shows and magazine and, and destinations. And, you know, it's really interesting. We're out in southern Arizona right now. And um, Tombstone, Arizona, um, Sherry Monahan, mm. I think she wrote this book, the, the, the Historic Recipes of Tombstone. And it used to be this mm. mining camp, but because of the railroads, they were eating what everybody in Lodida, San Francisco was doing. And this is in the 1800s. Yeah. So they were having oysters wow. and all these things in this tented camp in Tombstone. And we were like, well, how did that happen, right? Um, so I got into that, like, oh, so there were, you know, food and restaurants and things. But I didn't think about where you were going of, hey, who opened the first restaurant? And so yes. this is interesting because it, it was a shopkeeper, right? That's right. It was a shopkeeper in Paris, and I think it was 1765. And he, um, uh, the, the word restaurant really meant a restorative broth that people would drink and eat um, to kind of gain their health back. And uh, enterprising shopkeeper thought, why don't I offer something with this? 
um, that you can choose from and you can actually sit at a different table from a stranger, which until that point, you went into an inn or a tavern, you know, you sat at a table with a stranger and you were fed whatever the kitchen had and that was usually leftovers. So this was kind of a revolutionary idea that you could actually choose from two or three different things, sit at a table with your friends and not have to talk to strangers and be served. Um, so it was a, a really kind of shocking innovation. You, you, wow. I know. <laughs> it, it just, That's funny. I know because we take restaurants for granted in a way. It's part of our life, you know, and there's that balance. Some of us need to, you know, remember that we need to learn how to cook. <laughs> and the thing, where, <laughs> do you think um, that schools can, you know, use this book and, and getting kids for some of the projects and the quizzes and even maybe cooking because sometimes we see these kinds of uh, things like, you know, how to cook, how to sew, how to, you know, actually learn how to budget and, and money and even the art, some of that goes out of uh, school curriculums. Um, do you see your book being helpful in a way of helping, you know, so maybe even after school programs? Absolutely. And in fact, you know, I'm married to a high school history teacher and um, I have two sons and I really wrote the book thinking that this is like a perfect book for libraries and school libraries. And because it intertwines world history and cultural history with food history. And um, I think it's a great way to teach to get kids into the um, the excitement of learning about history and who Galileo was and why we need to know who Gutenberg was and what Martin Luther did and why Michelangelo was so incredible. You know, you can do it through the food. So um, that's one of the things that most excites me about the book. See, it's like Anthony Bourdain, how he showed us the world through food. <laughs> this is for exactly. kids. Though. This is the kids' version. But without the tattoos, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know, really. Yeah, there was there were some parts in there that maybe not. <laughs> but right. there was the other thing too uh, that was interesting because you think about the wheel, and we think of wheel as transport, but um, mm. but it was actually part of making clay pots, which now we think of clay pots as decorative, but. Um, you know, back in the day, even if you look at, you know, go back to Southwestern pottery, Native American pottery here, where, where we are, we look at mm -hmm. it and go, there's form and function. Um, at the same time, it's art and it's part of a language. I mean, they're, they're, you know, when somebody makes something, the meaning is so huge. And this is interesting with the wheel and clay pots because the clay pots were important. Exactly. So the wheel was invented to make clay pots and the um, Egyptians were the first to start using clay pots and using them as jars and vessels for olive oil, which is, you know, a critical ingredient in wine and, and everything okay. else, honey. And, and in fact, um, King Tut, when uh, his tomb was um, discovered in the early 1900s, there were hundreds of baskets and clay pots in there filled still with food from thousands of years ago. So wow. clay pots have played an integral, um, you know, part in human history. It's amazing. Wow. It's amazing. I think of putting all that food in there, like, here's for your journey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's right. That's what it was for. Yeah. I never realized, um, you know, just over some of the interviews and research we've done, I didn't realize how much rum, like rum and beer was like this thing. That, that was what mm. us was on most of the ships because well, yeah. it was, you know. That's right instead of the water, like the water was so bad. Yes, it was, exactly, it was safe to drink. I actually don't touch upon that kind of stuff because oh, I don't not. want kids yeah. to then think, oh, I'm going to drink beer, that's so safe to drink. So I never actually speak about that one thing. That's one thing I kept out of the book. Yeah, that's, <laughs> but you did talk about yucky habits of yore. Um, yes. When you're doing the research, did, what, what shocked you the most that you may have not have learned about? 
Wow. You know, there's a lot of yucky stuff that has happened in the past, <laughs> uh-huh. but I think that um, urine plays a larger part than I had envisioned. Um, oh. Urine was used to wash togas in ancient oh. Greece. Uh, urine was used to um, help fire up um, plates in Rome, so they would literally use urine and paint together and then fire them um, to make plates. Um, so that's kind of weird. Sheep poop was a very, very popular way to um, get a fire. So there's lots of stuff like that. The kids are going to be like, ew, that's so fun. Ew, but you know? cool, dude. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> In, in Africa, they use, uh, you know, the dung, mm-hmm. whatever kind they could find, really, for right. to make floors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and they pounded exactly. it, and, and it's got polish. That's what always amazed me, because <laughs> we've been in some African huts, and the floors are shiny. Yeah. You're like... Amazing. It, how'd you do that? <laughs> I know, but then at the same time, you could use, you know, you could use cow chips or whatever uh-huh. for, you know, using it as fuel. And that's the interesting thing, too, you know, when you think about you know, ancient cultures and recipes passed down through the years. That's something I remember as a young kid, we were living in South Africa and we, we were doing a, a tour for two, two, three years, um, traveling all over and meeting mm-hmm. people and living in different homes. It was a, a fundraising tour for the National Cancer Association um, with Nancy's Art. And we ended up living on farms and we called them. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Cloth is old, old farms and I learned how to cook on a wood burning stove and I thought this was the coolest thing. Wow. And um, all these, cool. <laughs> um, just really, you know, families that still, you know, lived in the small towns and um, they weren't so split up like we are nowadays, you know, how, you know, someone's mm. born somewhere. Do you still stay in the same town? Half the time, not families are spread out. It's a little different there. And I started keeping like a cookbook. I started gathering all these traditional recipes and, they were mostly Dutch, and mm-hmm. it was really interesting to me. And I, and I, as a young girl, going, wow, like going from you know an electric burner or a gas burner to now you're going to actually use a wood burning stove. That was super cool. And I think, <laughs> you know, if, if kids can go to places where they can see those old ways of doing things, and then also understand that, you know, this is where this recipe came down from, and maybe go go to their families and get some of the recipes from their past. Maybe interview their grandparents for that. Absolutely. And isn't that a beautiful thing to do? Yeah, I mean, that's something I really have encouraged in everything that I've done with kids is to really celebrate and embrace your heritage and the family that you're from and to really capture that in the food that you eat. Mm-hmm. Now, what's up with the moray eels? I have to bring this up because, you know, because no, but we're talking about like you, you, that means you're really going in. You're not just, I mean, the, you, that's a different fishing technique <laughs> to get moray eels. Yes. That's right. You know, uh, moray eels were extremely popular, especially in the ancient Rome. And uh, I think Julius Caesar actually gave 20,000 of them uh, at a meal. I mean, they are just wildly uh, kind of the signature of that time. So uh, who knew? (laughs) I mean, think of catching all those. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. They're they're a little bit on the feisty side. I know. It's uh-uh. No, I think it's from snorkeling with them. They're, no. they're, they're kind of aggressive. You know, we've been snorkeling and 
you see them there and, and then they, they, instead of them like hiding from you, they kind of jump out at you. Yeah. Like, like wow. they, they do is like a little attack thing and you're like, oh, no, <laughs> I stay away from wow. needles. I, I got, I got mm-hmm. nailed by one in a, in a fresh <sighs> river mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not even a bite. It's like a yeah, suction. It like it just sucked on. It like it. it, it yep. It has teeth marks. Yep. It was. It was quite crazy. But anyway, I don't want to freak people out on that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just so many bizarre and cool things. And one of the coolest things I think about going through food fight is that you put this timeline of what was going on at that time frame, but also all the utensils and how that changes. And you know, it's it to me. You put it into perspective of, you know, what we were using, when does Tupperware come in to play, you know, mm, it's kind of like mm-hmm. going in through a museum. It is like, it, 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 mm. it's like going through a fun museum in, in your book. Like if we could go. Oh, to, thank you. Wouldn't it be cool to have, have a museum just like, a food museum? Yes. yeah, each chapter, like a new exhibit. Like I'd love to see that. Yes. That would that's be so cool. Fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's hopefully what I tried to do within the pages yeah. of the book, but yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, because I never mm-hmm. thought of it in that way, really, with the, how you laid it out. It, it, I'm mm-hmm. using this book for research. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care how old I am. But that is amazing when you look at how we've changed. And now you even look at how TV, you know, you have your, your you know, one in the morning shopping sprees for different gadgets you can use in the kitchen. Mm. And you, then you go back way back when to what we were using, you know, to cook and, and to, you know, right. gather food and things. But that's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And amazing that even, you know, pasta machines were kind of in Roman times. I mean, 2000 years ago, they were making pasta machines and using tongs and things like that. And the Greeks using portable grills. And I mean, yeah, a mortar and pestle, you know, is 20,000 years old. So it's amazing. Yeah, this is cool. This is I like the quizzes, you know, and I, you have a so nice for putting really bizarre things in the quiz. So I can hear kids <laughs> going, ew. You know, right. and that keeps them interested. So I, I understand why exactly. you did that, but it. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking. You know, what? What do you think giraffe toenails taste like? Right. <laughs> Ew. Ew. You know, yeah, I did. I tried to be as silly as possible just to keep kids wanting to take the quizzes, so that yeah. way they would really want to kind of remember what they just read. Yeah. Mm. No, it's good. It's clever. Okay, I've got I've got one more question, but one before that. <laughs> So I have to bring up M&M because yeah. mm. I had no clue. Tell people the story of M&M because this is this is crazy. <laughs> it's different. That's right. It is crazy. Well, I don't know. A certain generation, my generation for sure, will remember the M&M slogan, which was melts in your mouth, not in your hands. And mm-hmm. that is because they actually created it in this uh in the one of the, during the one of the uh, world wars to provide soldiers to have uh an energy snack and a sugar you know rush and something that's actually sweet and lovely to have on the front lines um but they created it so that it wouldn't melt um while it was being transported and and you know in some foxhole somewhere so that it would actually just melt in your mouth and not in your hand so that is one of the super cool facts that we found out you see that's why that's it's in trail mix yeah. That's why it's in trail mix. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But do you know what? I ne- I have never purchased trail mix with M&Ms in there because I never realized that that's the story. Like, I didn't know. Now I can mm. have trail mix with chocolate. Oh. I'm over <laughs> in the desert. <laughs> I know. Things melt. <laughs> Things melt. Okay, so I, the other question is, if you're going to have a dinner party, 
Okay, I've every everybody you've written about in your book. <laughs> so three oh people goodness. in your book. I know. Think about it. It could be Yikes. Julius Caesar. If you're going to have a dinner party with three people that you can invite from the book, who would it be? What's hmm. on the menu, and why are you inviting oh. them? Because you obviously want to talk to them about something. Oh my God, that's an amazing, amazing question. Well, it's just, like, I just <laughs> yeah, amazing question, and I think. Just off the top of my head, I think it would be fascinating to have Cleopatra, Julius Ooh. Caesar, and Mark Antony, those three, Ooh. because they have this lover's triangle, and I would just You're be fascinated by all the gossip. Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. be the person pouring wine. Yeah, exactly. We'll just listen <laughs> in and hear. Fascinating. And then we could have wine and hummus and pita, olives. Mm. Oh, my goodness. It would be amazing. So what a, what a perfect meal that would be. Oh my well, gosh! I like this. enough wine, you'll find out what's really going on. I know. Exactly. I know. I want to know if she mm-hmm. really got bitten by an ass. I really yeah. apparently. Yes, yeah. I think apparently she did. Although she did poison herself um, as well, I think to make sure that she was she was going. Women like to poison people, including themselves, <laughs> unfortunately. But um, mm. yeah, not not really. But you know what I mean. It's, <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, this is a kid's show. <laughs> we'll be nice. <laughs> but it's a wonderful book, and we really appreciate you, you joining us. We appreciate all the work you've done. Um, so what's next? Are you going to write another book? Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't this know. was a big one. Yeah. It was yeah, a big one, but you know, there's so much I left out, so I would love to do another one at some point. Mm, this would cool. be cool. And the illustrations are amazing. Did you have a bunch of different yeah. people working with you Those on that? Um, yeah. The fantastic, yeah, Nat Geo, they did an amazing job illustrating it. They were just brilliant. So I, I'm so grateful to them. Yeah, and I love all the recipes online too and in the book. And there's just, it's a, I, I, what I love about Nat Geo Kids is that they make this interactive experience. You have a book, but there's things to follow up with, you know? It's, it's it's just this connective experience between everything where you exactly. can go online and read and um, they just do an amazing amazing job so man that's got to be fun to work with them too <laughs> so cool yeah, it was Very fantastic cool. yeah everyone again the book by Tanya Steele is National Geographic Kids Food Fight a mouth-watering history of who ate what and why through the ages again Amazon all those great places you can go get it but uh, go to their website natgeokids.com and kid foodfight.com and uh, we want to thank our sponsor for this segment uh, perfect perfect sponsor you can't get better than this uh, it is family history expos they are dedicated to helping you trace your family history uh, they have online classes online expos books uh, all kinds of guides on genealogy just go to familyhistoryexpos.com and they're into recipes too, family history recipes. So there you go. And uh, we got a special song for Tanya because, you know, we're talking about this, <laughs> how wheels were made and then, you know, people cooking in caves. Uh, this song is called I Made Fire. Hey, girl, how'd you like your buffalo? <laughs> um, so I made fire at from our friend, Tall, the Tall Men Group out of Southern California. Uh, now, this is there's a food thing to this, and this is off of their first album together. Uh, Tanya, you like this. Every month, they get together on a Tuesday every month uh, at Jimmy, the Muffin Man's house, and he cooks the other five tall men dinner every time but they have a songwriting channel and so once a year they take their songs and they put an album together one of them is called feast 
go, go figure. But um, hopefully one day we'll get to their, their place and have dinner with one of their songwriting challenges. But food is always involved. And here it is. I Made Fire. You can keep up with the tall men. Go to tallmengroup.weebly.com. Thanks so much for joining us, Tanya. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Good to talk Take to care. you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Here it is. I Made uh, Fire. You can wait for a lightning strike To set that tree ablaze And you can freeze till the sun comes up But I ain't living that way Party in my cave I made fire Casting animal shadows And having fun Buffalo done. I made fire. Party in my cave. Yes, I know it's dangerous. Already burned both knees. That's the price. I'll pay it twice. Cause cave girls seem to like me. Party in my cave I made fire We're casting animal shadows And having fun Party in my cave Hey girl, how do you like your buffalo done? I made fire Party in my cave Breaking out the seed pot shakers Banging on a hollow wall Girl, you got some fine maracas Let's shake them all night long Party in my cave, I made fire We're casting animal shadows And eating some Party in my cave Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.